Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Okay, I guess it is time to get started. In the first class, I showed you all a schedule for our classes uh, that goes through the 26 weeks. I showed at the end that there were two buffer classes. Well, today we're going to take up one of those buffer classes. And two weeks from now, we're going to take up the other buffer classes. So from here on out, we've got to stay on schedule or we're not going to get through the book at all. Last week we talked about the word heaven being mentioned in the book of Revelation 50, what, 57 times. There were five mentions of heaven that we did not get covered. I want to cover those very quickly. This Greek word is found in Revelation three times and it usually is interpreted mid-heaven or mid-air. Angel flying in mid-air Another angel flying in midair, birds flying in midair. So that's another, another word where they use the word heaven, actually. But that's actually what that word means. Not to harp on the King James or the New King James, but they do. They pull a little bit of a stunt on these last two instances of the word heaven. They talk about temple of heaven in chapter 16, verse 17. They talk about they heard a voice from heaven. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. The word heaven in the original Greek does not actually occur in those two verses. They were put in by the translators. So here we go again. Translators putting in what they, what they think it means. Now, I'm not disputing... Oh, wait. There we go. Sorry. I'm not disputing their interpretation. I agree with their interpretation, but I do not like the idea of a a translator trying to interpret a verse instead of translating it. Say throne and let us within the walls of of this building decide where that throne is located based upon the context of the book of Revelation. I heard a voice from the throne They're assuming that's in heaven. If They're probably right. They're probably right. But I really wish they would not do that. It makes you wonder where else in the Bible that the King James translators and the New King James translators pull this stunt. Now, so far, it hasn't really been a big deal as far as doctrine goes. But it still kind of makes you wonder in the back of your mind where else they do things like this. Okay, we looked at the six trumpets The sixth angels with six trumpets. The seventh angel and seventh trumpet will not come around until Revelation chapter 11. We were talking about what exactly these symbols meant. The answer is, I have no idea. I can only take chapter 9 at its word. Chapter 9 verse 20, it says, But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. I do not know where those plagues are located inside these symbols. The best you can do with these symbols is just say they indicate that God is, is what's, what was the word we used? 
dominant. It showed his dominance over nature, the vegetation, the land, the waters, the heavens. It showed he even controls evil. Evil will do what he tells them to do. Outside of that, I wouldn't take these too far. Tonight, we're gonna, I'm going to show you what Revelation does with chapters 8 and 9. You take this much farther than what we've taken it, and you're getting on shaky ground. There are four questions that we need to answer right quick before we finish chapter 9. What is the bottomless pit? Who is the star in chapter 9 that fell from the sky, the, 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 the star that had the key to the bottomless pit? Who is Abaddon and Apollyon? And number four is why does any of this even matter in the first place? So, let's go with what is the bottomless pit? Revelation chapter 9, verses 2 and 3, And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power like scorpions of the earth to have power. Five characteristics of this abyss. I'm using the word abyss and, and, and bottomless pit interchangeably here. It has smoke like a great furnace. It was filled with evil beings. Luke chapter 8, verses 30 and 31 reads this. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons have entered him. And they begged him, they begged Jesus, that he, Jesus, would not command them to go back out into the abyss. Is that the same abyss as here? If I had to say yes or no, I would, I would say yes. We have Revelation chapter 20 making a, making a distinction between the abyss and hell itself. The abyss, we're going to find that this abyss is going to be tossed into the lake of fire. So it makes a distinction. So this bottomless pit is not hell itself. If you remember your story of the rich man and Lazarus, the, the rich man said that he was tormented in this flame. All of the characteristics of this abyss, of this bottomless pit, is consistent with torment as told to us in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Is this abyss, is this a bottomless pit, is that torment from the, the story of the rich man and Lazarus? It could be. I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it's not, I'm saying it could be. I personally think it probably is. I don't know why they would mention a brand new abyss that had nothing to do with torment. Who is the star in chapter 9 that fell from the sky? Chapter 9, verse 1, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star far, fall from heaven. Uh, the Greek word is actually sky. Unto the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. The Greek word for the bottomless pit is actually abyss. Luke chapter 10, verse 18 and he, Jesus, said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. So the question is, is, is this star that fell, is that Satan himself? There's four characteristics of this particular star that leads me to think that no, it's not Satan, not this time. Uh, it fell from the sky. He has the key to the, to the abyss. The problem is Satan is actually mentioned specifically Later on in chapter 9, there's, there's no reason to mention him twice here. So I suspect this is either a high-ranking a high demon, 
I guess it could be Satan, but I don't know why they would mention Satan twice in the, in the same chapter like that. Who is Abaddon and Apollyon? Okay. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue, tongue has the name Apollyon. This is the, remember, this is the same pit where these, where these locusts came out of. So is this Satan? Is it the chief, chief demon Satan? The Greek word uh, Abaddon actually means destruction. The Greek word means destroyer. That probably is Satan. Probably is. So the star that fell before, eh, probably not. It could be, but probably not. Okay, here's the part I really want to get to tonight. I'm going to beat up on premillennialism a little bit tonight. Why does all of this even matter? Why study chapters 8 and 9? Well, it's going to be incumbent upon us to disprove premillennialism's use of, of chapters 8 and 9 using logic, evidence, proof, using the book of Revelation itself. Why? Because premillennialism has a way of assigning their own literal interpretation to these symbols. They make these symbols represent characters in history, uh, objects, events in history, and they do this to meet their own agenda, to, to, to further their own agenda. How do they do that? Here's, a, here's, here's one way. This is the Behringer Crater in Arizona. According to premillennialists, we are now in the last days. James Andrews talked about the latter days, the last days when he was teaching the Hebrews class. But they think we're in the last days, meaning that we're about to have the apocalypse. Premillennialists can never let a good disaster go to waste. Literally. In, the, in a book called An Asteroid, A Comet, and the Coming Apocalypse, you get a description of a comet, an asteroid, destroying the earth and getting us into the thousand-year reign. E.L. Martin, who is a member of the Worldwide Church of God, remember Church of God is ranked number one as far as premillennialism goes, because it's them and their cohorts that actually pretty much define what premillennialism is. In his book it says, or this is a, I think this is actually an article about his book, it says, it may come to the surprise to some people, but the Holy Scriptures describe a time associated with the second advent of Christ that any modern day scientist would attest is a classic description of an asteroid or comet of a moderate size, say a mile or so in diameter, hitting the earth. After mentioning that the mercantile system on earth that provides wealth and prosperity is to be destroyed... The prophet Isaiah continued his description of doomsday by his prophecy recorded in all of, the, all of Isaiah chapter 24. The article goes on to say, you should read that chapter and pay attention to every word. It shows without the slightest doubt the complete and utter destruction of, this, of the world civilization. The world will return to a barbaric state with only a few men left over the entirety of the earth and the wide devastation will last for 70 years. So, 
It's going to be an asteroid or comet that's going to destroy the earth. And that's going to get us into the millennium, the the, the thousand-year reign. After this NASA event occurred, I searched the internet for any premillennialist that wanted to say anything about the topic of this project. And I couldn't find anyone saying anything about it. Do you all remember this? It happened just a few, just, just weeks ago, a few months ago. NASA fired a space rocket at an asteroid and hit it. They're out, they're, they're, the concept of the project is that if there's an asteroid coming to Earth, they're going to send, they want to send a nuclear device and actually hit the, hit the asteroid and blow it into a billion small pebbles so that it doesn't impact the Earth. So my question is, what do premillennials think about this? Pre-mill- NASA is trying to prevent from happening what premillennials say is going to get us into the thousand-year reign. So are they at odds with each other? I worked with NASA for five years, and I'm, I'll tell you the truth, I'm not sure which scares me most. An asteroid hitting the Earth or NASA with their, butt, with their finger on the button of a nuclear device, that's scary. If they hit that asteroid wrong, if they get one little calculation off, that asteroid is coming right at us, probably. But I, I, never, I never saw any or heard of any premillennialist who responded. Have y'all heard any, anyone say anything about? I would suspect the premillennialist like, does not like this project that NASA's doing, I would think. But that's what premillennialists are saying. Okay, let's, uh, let's get on to something that actually you might remember. That, that Behringer crater is supposedly a, a meteorite of how many, how many millions of tons of TNT? I forgot how many. Several, several hundred million. I read it just a while ago, I can't remember. Several hundred million tons of TNT was the impact that it had on that crater. BP oil spill. Y'all all remember that, Right? Never let a good catastrophe go to waste. A growing conversation among Christian fundamentalists asks the question that may have been inevitable. Is the oil spill in the Gulf a sign of the coming apocalypse? About 60 million white evangelicals, I don't like that word, evangelicals, live in America and about one-third of them believe that the world will end in their lifetime, according to the Pew Research Center for People in the Press. Broadly speaking, these Christians subscribe to the theology called premillennial dispensationalism. In this worldview, they are warriors on the side of God, a cosmic battle culminating in apocalypse, judgment, and finally the reign of Jesus in a new heaven and a new earth will come soon. The most determined of these believers mind the book of Revelation for signs that the end is near. A text of terrifying and mysterious prophecy, Revelation forecasts the apocalypse in coded language. Christians have spent lifetimes trying to break the code by correlating its verses to current events. Now blogs on the Christian fringe are abuzz with the possibility that the oil spill is the realization of Revelation chapter 8 verses 8 through 11. The second angel blew his trumpet. This is what this verse says. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. 
A third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. A third of the water became wormwood, which is bitter. And many died from the water because it was made bitter. According to Revelation, in other words, something terrible happens to the world's water. A punishment to those of insufficient faith. Ooh, insufficient faith. The foul water, according to the New Oxford Annotated Bible, mirrors one of the plagues God called upon Egypt on behalf of his people Israel. Though, though maybe it's Revelation chapter 16, verse 3, where it says, The second angel poured a bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything living, and every living thing in the sea died. Some interpreters are very sure the oil spill matches the biblical prophecy and another predictor and is another predictor of the end. One commentator at Godlike Publications argues that the redness of the oil seen in the pictures can be interpreted as blood. The water is tinted red from the oil that actually looks like blood. Coincidence? That's in a Newsweek article saying entitled, Some Say BP Oil Spill Herald's Apocalypse. So there you go. That's what premillennialists do with chapters 8 and 9. They will apply it to any possible catastrophe that is happening. And in about two or three, four slides from now, we're going to learn that every generation has their catastrophe that they assign one of the verses in Revelation to. And 50 or 60 years later, two generations later, that same verse is used to apply to something happening to that generation. And it goes on and on and on like that. The mark of the beast, 666. It is, I've told you this before. It's been applied to Joseph Stalin, Karl Marx. It's been applied to Peter the Great. It's been applied to Ronald Reagan, uh, Obama, Trump. Everyone has their own mark of the beast. And like, like the article said just a while ago, at least a third of the evangelicals, whatever that means, believe that the apocalypse is coming in their lifetime. So they apply everything that Revelation says to their particular generation. How about this one? Everybody remember that one? In a Metro West Daily News article... It talks about Jerry Faldwell, Pat Robertson, and John Hagee. Everybody know who, knows who John Hagee is? He is a, a renowned premillennialist. He's on TV. He's one of the televangelists on, pre, on TV. And I suppose, I, I suppose you know who Jerry Faldwell and Pat Robertson are. They're, they're, very, they're very popular, or they were. But John Hagee is right in the mix. He's, he's, one, of the, he's one of the big guys as far as numbers go in the book of Revelation. You want to know what a number means? He's the one to go to because he's, he, he loves numbers. He crunches numbers constantly to try to figure out when the end of the world is coming, what all these numbers mean. That's him. In this article, it talks about Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson telling us 12 years ago that the terrorist attack of September the 11th was God's punishment on America for a whole host of liberal misdeeds. And televangelist John Hagee told us eight years ago that Hurricane Katrina was God's punishment of New Orleans for its gay-friendly ways. And of course, these, these, whoops, 
these punishments are always they're always bib- of biblical proportions, of course, always. If I'm not mistaken, Jerry Falwell actually said that about New Orleans too, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he said that there's a verse. Oh, it's Mark thirteen thirty-five. Not even the angels in heaven know. Only God the Father knows when He's coming. I used that verse with a premillennialist one time, and he said, "No, with the numbers and the equations and everything you see in Revelation, that now Jesus knows. He, you know, he he plugged the numbers into the equation, and now he knows." So much for that. So much for that verse. Yeah. If a premillennialist interpretation of Revelation ever contradicts another verse in the Bible, they will always, without exception, go with their interpretation of Revelation. Hands down, there's no competition. But if I'm not mistaken, Jerry Falwell said that about New Orleans too, didn't he? That it was a punishment to... I think he did too, and he got a lot of, a lot of blowback on that one. Yeah, there's Christians down there too. Um, a good friend of ours that goes to Maysville. Her mother lives there. She's a member of the church. So does she get punished too? Is that was that meant for her as well? Oh, really? You're one of the evil ones. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll keep our eye on you. All right. But that's what they say. Every catastrophe that happens. Next time, next time a disaster occurs, flip on Trinity Network, Trinity Broadcast Network, or flip on some of these Sunday morning shows where premillennialists are preaching. See what they have to say about it. Now they they record their shows maybe a week or two in advance, so you may have to go two or three weeks watching them if you can deal with listening to them for that long, and just see what they have to say about it. They they they'll spend an entire program on these particular disasters that are occurring. And of course, it's always Revelation says this, Revelation predicted that. Speaking of predicting that, COVID-19 is another one. I have had two premillennialists tell me face-to-face that Revelation predicted COVID. Now, I didn't really, on the two days that I was talking Two different days, I was talking to two different people. I really didn't feel like arguing with them about it. So I didn't ask them this, but I, sh- but I probably should have. I should have said, okay, where does it say that? If you go up to a premillennialist, I'm not talking about a church of God premillennialist. I'm talking just a, you know, a Methodist premillennialist or a, a, a Presbyterian or Baptist premillennialist. You go up to one of them and you ask them, where in Revelation did it predict it? What they're going to tell you is, well, I don't exactly know, but let me get you in touch with my pastor. He understands it better than me. They're always going to pass the book. They have no idea why they believe what they believe. But hey, they're pastor, they're priest, they're reverend, they're very reverend, they're supreme reverend. There's a supreme reverend here in Huntsville, I noticed. They're reverend. Whoever, they, whatever they call the guy in their pulpit told them that. And of course, the preacher's not going to tell them wrong. No, but they will get you in touch with the preacher so that so that so that he can explain it to you. NCBI, that is the National Center for Biotechnology Information. There, this article 
this is a little bit of a lengthy reading, but it's, it's interesting. It, it, it shows how everyone has their own pandemics and how it all relates to Revelation for their time period. This article says, Historically, pandemics have been attributed to both religious and naturalistic causes. While epidemics in the ancient world were generally accounted for in religious terms, a concept of contagion still exists. Throughout history, pandemics and apocalyptic narratives have run closely together. As one example explains of the Black Death from 1347 to 1352, involved ideas of sin and apocalypse, acts of God, and alignments of the planets. Alignments of the planets, that's interesting. While bad air, divine punishment, and witchcraft were postulated causes, for many of the black for many the black death signal the end of times. In another case, Howard reports on religious explanations of the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic, where appeal was made to ideas of sin and to eschatological signs of the Christ's second coming. One member of the Dutch Reformed Church, Johanna Brandt, prophesied that the day of judgment had come. A pamphlet entitled The Millennium, a prophetic, a prophetic forecast, warned readers that the flu epidemic was, a, was only the beginning of the affliction that was stated in the book of Revelations. should have said Revelation. I don't know if that was a typo on their part, if that was an actual, actual quote. And here are the, you can download these slides from the Revelation page. And here are the, uh, the references made. Everyone has their own pandemics, their own epidemics. And that particular generation is going to assign some verse in Revelation to that illness, to that pandemic, to that epidemic, and say, see, see, that the end is near. Before I go to the fifth one, does anyone have any comments on any of that? Have y'all heard? Have y'all heard premillennialists do that? It was what? Oh yeah, yeah. Anytime, yeah, I've, I've, that's what those those guys, those two premillennialists, told me. COVID was it. That this is the end. Yeah, yeah. Every generation has its problems, and they think that's the end of the world. They assign everything, everything apocalyptic to that particular event, yes. Any other comments before we go to number, number five? Jack Venopy's favorite topic, he says, he, this is all he talks about or talked about on his television programs on Sunday morning. And... Um, I used to watch him. My wife made me quit because I would end up getting into an argument with the TV and start yelling at the TV. And finally, she made me just stop doing it. I, I would sneak in there on Sunday mornings after I would get dressed for church. And I'd sit there and watch him just, just to see what the latest was. But his favorite topic was wars and rumors of wars. You remember that verse in the Bible. His favorite topic was one nation in, uh, invading another. And if it was, if, and if, if Israel was involved, that was even better because premillennialists claim that the latter part of, of Revelation talks about Israel actually being, actually being invaded by kings of the east. 
In his case, he calls it Russia. He says it's Russia invading Israel. Anytime anyone invades another country, he jumps right on it. Oh, excuse me. Every generation has their own mark of the beast. They have their own sign of the apocalypse. And they assign the disasters to some revelation verse to, to further their, their cause. Premillennialists have to have disasters occur from time to time because that's the only way they can promote their religion. That's the only way they can promote their, their, their agenda. That's the only way they can get people to listen to it. Hey, you know that, that, that COVID that happened? Revelation said it was going to happen. So listen to me. I can tell you what all is going to happen in the future. So those are just five examples. I'm sure there's more. That's just five that were off the top of my head. And to give you a better idea of, well, we're flying through this. A better idea of how this is actually, you know, where the rubber meets the road, getting down to the brass tacks. We have Revelation chapter 9, verse 7. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and upon them was power given as scorpions of the earth having power. Now, if you read on through verses 4, 5, and 6, you're going to see a description of these locusts. It says they have wings as the sound of army of horse-drawn chariots. They have the men, they have the faces of men. They have teeth of lions. They have breastplates of iron. They have tail of a scorpion. They have a crown of gold. Now, according to premillennialists, John had to use the word locust because he didn't exactly know what he was looking at. According to premillennialists, what was it? What was it that that John was actually seeing? You can get this. You can get this. You can get this image online if you if you wanted to. The wings with the sound of an army of horse-drawn chariots. That's the that's the rotary blade. The faces of men is actually the guys in the helicopter. Teeth of a lion is the mouth drawn on the front of the helicopter. Breastplates of iron. That's the what the fuselage is is built out of. Tail of a scorpion is the the tail fin. And the crown of gold is that gold emblem on the top, right below the propellers. So there's your locust. He didn't know to call them Apache helicopters or attack helicopters or whatever. He just knew they looked like locusts and that was the best he could do. That's what premillennialists do to chapters 8 and 9. That's why we have to have some kind of answer, even though we well, hello, even though we are not able to interpret every symbol, still we're going to have to have something that makes sense so that we can counter what premillennialism is saying. The next time there is a catastrophe, though, definitely tune in to Trinity Broadcast Network. There's several Sunday morning shows on cable. I think there used to be some on network. There's a lot on cable. That will, that will talk about the catastrophe eventually, and they will somehow tie it to Revelation and the Apocalypse.
All of these images are online, so you can, you can ju- just search for, oh, I don't know, search for locust, and you'll, you'll probably find this, this image. Wow, we flew through that. Okay, that was 20-something charts. Hello. That was 20-something charts. Does anyone have any comments to make? So we've got quite a bit of time. Go ahead. Reconcile some of these some of these symbols looking like the plagues of Egypt. Um, the best answer, what I do is I look at that as probably God punishing somebody. Let's go back to that slide. Uh, back, 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 back. Where is that slide? This one? Are you talking about the, the, the six angels and their trumpets when they blew? Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, chapters 11, 12, and 13, that, that's actually a history lesson. But, yeah. That, that, that falls right into the history that it's talking about, yeah. I would, anytime, anytime Revelation mentions something like the plagues of Egypt, something that sounds like the plague, plague of, plagues of Egypt, the first thing I would do is see if, if within the context of the chapter, if God's talking about punishing evil, is he punishing the, the villain? Because we know in chapter nine, uh, chapter chapter nine, verse twenty, we know God was trying to bring about conditions, whatever that means, to try to get evil to repent. And according to the New Testament, He still does that. Uh, he chastens those He loves. With the Book of Revelation, it does help to know the Old Testament. That's for sure. When the horns of the altar gets in on the act of, of getting getting the angels prepared to release the winds and, and for the for the battle to occur, the fact that the horns of the altar are speaking takes us back to the Old Testament because the horns of the altar was the only place you could go to, to, to save your life if you if someone was going to kill you. But even but in the book of Revelation, even the horns of the altar are in on it they're going to be punished as well. So there's nowhere to hide. I'm sorry, what? In the Old Testament, the, the horns of the altar was a refuge. Um, several instances, in the, Joab and... Uh, I can't say that word. It starts with an A. Anyway... You, if you, if someone was trying to kill you, or if you were cap, uh, guilty of a capital crime, you, if you could make it to the temple or the tabernacle, 
and get your hand on that horn of the altar, you were supposedly, you're supposed to be safe. But in Revelation, even the horns of the altar is not safe anymore. You can't run to the horns of the altar anymore. We have, we actually got through that pretty fast. They like to, in my opinion, muddy the waters when they're trying to interpret Revelation and take you back to Daniel or like this gentleman did to Isaiah. Yeah. And, they, and, they, and then they just seem like they just thoroughly confuse you with their numbers and their names and all. Uh, you don't even have to go on TV. You can go to the Robert Crawford channel on 101.5, I think it is, here in Huntsville. And you can get some of their preachers on there. They oh, really? Okay. So you, um, you can actually go to the radio and hear it. Yeah, David Jeremiah is really good about that. Oh, really? Yeah. I am not a radio listener. I used to be growing up, but if, if there's bad weather in the area, I'll listen to radio maybe, but I, I don't know what's on the radio. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, yeah, I don't know who all is on the radios. I'm, I'm sure there's premillennialists there too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ezekiel and Daniel and Revelation, they do have some things in common. There, there is some imagery that's identical. Um, I don't know their connection. I don't know. Ezekiel and Daniel well enough. Yeah. 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 And you have to take you. You made me remember something else. Um, you have to take Revelation. As a whole in context, you can't just take one or two verses and say, oh, that's what Revelation's about. Theories on Revelation go to chapters 17 and 18 to die. Because you, you might be able to get through chapters 1 through 16, but you cannot hurdle 17 and 18. Because that, that is so clear what, who the villain of Revelation is, and there's no way around it. Okay, next week you're going to get a break from me and I get to rest. We're going to watch a video. Um, Those of you who have had this class before, don't tell anybody what the video is. I want it to be a surprise to them. Uh, Sound booth, please don't tell anybody. They have have it already. Um, The resolution is not the best in the world. It's 480p. I don't know what that's going to look like on these big screens, I hope. I hope it's okay. We'll, we'll find out. Um, we are going to have to have the lights dim next week so that the video can be seen so the sound guys will have a, have a week to think about that on how to, how to make that happen. There are five accusations God makes in Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. He says, The villain of the book of Revelation is guilty of these five sins. Worshipping demons and idols, murders, sorceries, which is 
Witchcraft, magic, invoking evil spirits. Fornication, which is another topic we're going to have to talk about eventually with the book of Revelation. Fornication, we've got to figure out when it's literal and when it's figurative. Here it's obviously will. I won't say it's figurative. In this case, it is literal. And thefts. In the video next week, it's going to prove through archaeological evidence that, just by coincidence, the Roman Empire was guilty of all five of these to a tremendous extent. And then the following week, we're going to, I'm going to follow up on that video and I'm going to take our second buffer class and talk about some follow-up information concerning the video versus what premillennialism claims about it. I never really even cared much about the topic of this video until I read that premillennialists are big on the topic. They are huge on the topic. They actually say there is a verse in chapter 18 that tells about what this video is going to be about. So we'll spend... We'll spend probably all of next, all of two weeks from now following up on that video, and I'm probably going to have some time left over, so we're going to have a revelation characteristic that is associated with premillennialism's claim about this video. So it should be interesting. It'll be different. I've actually tried to find online this video. I found it two places. It used to be on YouTube. I actually downloaded it from YouTube. 10 years ago. Not there anymore. Um, I can get you a, little, a web link to them after we see the video if you actually want to watch it over. Um, I have open captioned the video too, so you'll see, the, you'll see words all along the way so the deaf will be able to see it as well. But next week, go ahead and get in your seats about a minute early, if you don't mind, so we can go ahead and get the the video started. It lasts for 44 minutes and 30 seconds, something like that. It's going to last the entire class period, so if we don't get it started on time, we're not going to get done on time. Any more comments? Yep, Revelation gets into that too. Yep. Probably. Now, in Revelation, clearly it's it's uh, it's it's symbolic, especially the fact that it's towards the end of the book of Revelation. It's symbolic, Magog and Magog. But yeah, we're we'll, we'll actually we're actually going to get into that. Yep, it is in Revelation as well. Well, I flew through that too fast. That's all I've got. If no one has any more comments, I guess that'll be all. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.